welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer. And I'm Ron Swallow. And today, our guest is one of our favorite guests of all time. He's a producer, a general badass, an amazing artist, and a super awesome writer on top of that. Please put your hands together for Bill Costanza. Oh, I'm touched. I guess at this point, I really am a guest because you guys have been sans me for a while here. So I'm I'm happy to be back. <laughs> hey, we're happy to have you back, man. You always add great things to the conversation uh, that uh, I can't always add. Well, I've, I've missed you guys. I'll say that. I've missed yeah. you guys a lot. Dude, th- uh, thank you so much for missing us because, you know, uh, but it is true. Uh, I-, I feel like the-, the mantle of producer Bill has been laying like a broken mule near on the ground, just waiting to be reformed. And uh, so now you're-, you're Jane Foster producer Bill now. <laughs> <You've-> nice. <laughs> I have long, luxurious blonde hair. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Uh, but today, let's get down to brass tacks because I think this might be a star spanning conversation. Um, I thought of this topic or we kind of thought about trying to uh bill bringing bill back into the fold and what would be something good and also the zeitgeist seems to have suggested it we're talking about is superman the greatest challenge in storytelling because people have complained about making a fucking video game about him people have complained that he's too hard to do in comics where there's unlimited budget and unlimited narrative resources people have come upon the the problem of doing him in movies he just seems to be a freaking albatross for creators or some creators throughout time. Where do we start with the problems? Uh, maybe, Bill, you can field, um, is it the powers? Maybe we got to get that one out of, out of, you know, out of contention first off. I, you know, I think a little bit, but for me, I think I have, you know, I have a greater thesis of this. But I will allow, I think it's the powers combined with like the moral precepts. Because mm. I think usually if you're going to tell a story about someone with godlike power, the default is you want to interrogate how they're corrupted or how they're fallible or how yeah. they misuse that godlike power. And that becomes sort of the central conflict of the story. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you're telling a story about a character who is morally unfailing, right? You want all the odds stacked against them so that they can, as Captain America would say, plant themselves like a tree in the river of truth. And unfortunately with Superman, you kind of can't do either because he has ultimate cosmic power, but he's also morally infallible. And then it leaves people going, well, what is the conflict then? And and most of the time you see people wanting to hedge one way or another. It's either the Zack Snyder, like, no, you know, that power is a burden and the world would be fearful. And how would a character like that actually exist? Or it's the John Byrne. Let's really dial him back to golden age power levels so that, you know, it's tough for him to lift a car and like bullets might knock him down and this and that. And I'm here to say maybe neither. Like, I'm interested in can you actually – I mean, look, my my feeling is the answer to your question is yes. To do the correct, mm-hmm. in quotes, version of Superman probably is one of the greatest storytelling challenges imaginable for the reasons I just laid out. So I'll just mm-hmm. leave it there let you guys jump in. 
Well, you know, and I think also it's because people have uh, preconceived notions about the character on top of that, where they, so when someone goes into a story, well, I mean, we'll, we could use the Zack Snyder, like, he probably doesn't like, like, one of our favorite, he probably doesn't like All-Star Superman. He, he, he probably likes, you know, Red Sun Superman or to something. To be fair, I mean, lines. he did rip off some dialogue from All Star Superman, so there, there was oh, that. That's true. There, that's true. He did, but it's, it's just one of those things where I think that a lot of people look at Superman and they think he's hard to write because they're just, whoa, he's invincible, and it's like, well, that's not the story of Superman. But you're touching on something important, Ron, and I, and this is sort of my greater thesis about Superman is that you know the expectations of the audience coming in. I think is the biggest albatross to use Ed's terminology mm. because for better or for worse, and you can't really escape this. So I think you have to work within it. And if you listen to our old show, you've heard me say this before. Superman is a meme. And I don't mean that like an image macro with text underneath. I mean that like in the original sense of the term meme which is like a cultural idea that spreads through a population subject to selection pressures. And specifically, I would even say outside of an American context, in an almost worldwide context, Superman is just the idea of the good guys always winning. Like people walk into a Superman movie and you are expecting from the jump he is going to be better than everybody he goes up against morally, and he's always going to win in the end because that's just who the character is. And it's like that is what people connect to when they tie towels around their necks, when they wear Superman S-shirts to the gym, when they get Superman tattoos. Like this meme of the character, this nobody can take me down, I am going to prevail because I am just great and powerful and confident it's all that stuff that people actually really embrace. It makes for tough storytelling because that's all baggage that the audience is bringing in. Well, see, and that, but see, that's the thing that makes me go like, look, I think over my years, I have not revisited the movie too much to really, uh, to poke holes in my theory, but I've become a man of steel, uh, not truther, but a, and not even a defender necessarily. But I can understand why somebody would say that that's the way to go. Not the somberness, not the everything being slate gray or rose gold, not that aspect of it, not everything being in slow, none of that. But the concept, like you're alluding to, Bill, of if indeed I am a guy and I have ultimate power, there's going to be a learning curve towards understanding my ultimate power. There isn't going to be just, I snap my fingers and I'm flying really good. I snap my fingers. I can hear really good. I can save everybody. I can save things that I know the physics of saving a plane without ripping its wing off and killing everybody. First time I try it. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I can see how if, if that man of steel had more scenes like that, instead of just him using his powers and messing up and going, Oh, I smashed a mountain. If there was more of a, of a learning curve and he tried to learn so that at the end of the movie, he's not smashing his enemy into 7-Elevens and burning people alive. He's doing something that might have resulted in that earlier in the movie, learning from it towards the end. And you can get that vibe that you may have been alluding to, Bill, of like, like he's not perfect. He's on his way to being as morally good as he can be in a story like that. But again, the execution was just too violent and thoughtless for you to really get that. 
I mean, I think thoughtless is a good word because to me, Man of Steel is like a Superman Rorschach test. Mm-hmm. Like you can just imprint whatever you want about the character onto it because Superman in Man of Steel has no character arc, arguably mm-hmm. has no character. Like he's mm-hmm. just a blank slate. And he does a lot of amazing Superman stuff, but there's nothing in the story that hangs around like who he is as a person. And so mm-hmm. that's what I think the biggest failing of that, of that movie is amongst mm-hmm. other failings, but I think that's the biggest one. And I think that that leads into a discussion here about like, okay, so if Superman is this, you know, kind of inarguable avatar of winning, right? Like that's just what the world understands Superman to be. Then you have some hard choices to make as a storyteller. Like number one, do you try to argue with literally everybody on the planet and be like, (laughs) no, that's not really the case. Like he's, it's actually really tough and he's not that good and he's got some shit to learn. I think that's a losing battle from the jump. Yeah. But then the question is, if you're going to embrace that, what kind of story do you tell? And I think that's really tough. I think cinematically, a good case study might be the Mission Impossible movies. And I say that because Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible movies is essentially a Superman analog, right down to the fact that in at least a couple of those movies, he has a dual identity that he's trying to protect. Mm-hmm. But more functionally, he is the best in every situation he's in. He is supremely confident. There is high stakes danger, but you never dwell on the darkness and the, and the moodiness and like the threat of death, even though it's pretty palpable at times. Those movies are more about the roller coaster ride and really more about the, the how than the why. And I think that that's really important with a Superman story is like mm. the more you get into the why, like, why does this guy fight a never ending battle for truth and justice? Like, why does he live this double life? The more you interrogate that, I think the further away from a satisfying Superman story you're going to get. The how Mm. is the important thing. And I think that if you can put Superman on just a breakneck, all the odds stacked against him, can't stop and catch your breath type of journey and keep his character, you know, almost static throughout that, And what I mean static, I mean, make him live up to the meme of the character within that milieu. I think you could end up with something powerful. And it's not simple, and it's not even as simple as I just said. But it is something, nobody's really tried that yet, at least in movies. Yeah, that makes some sense. Um, It's funny, because it reminds me of Dragon Ball Z in a weird way. Because... The thing with Goku is he's the best all the time until mm-hmm. there's someone better. And then he has to figure out how to get better. And he rises to the occasion because people's lives are in danger. And he cares about those people. Um, and also, he just kind of enjoys uh, being in a good fight. Now, obviously, that's not a Superman uh, uh, part of Superman's character, per se. But, like, I, I just think, like, it's, it's interesting because... We're, it is tough and on storytelling, but also the character's not super complex. Like, it, when it comes down to it, there's not a ton of complexity in there unless you want to add complexity. Like, if you want to add the, he's the last of a race thing. If you want to add in, 
you know, the struggling with being human stuff or, or any of that sort of thing, you can. But just like you said, nobody's there for that. Nobody's there for Superman struggling with that sort of thing. They're there for standing up for life and liberty. Him being in a world where he has infinite power, but a human capacity would be the stuff. But they, they, they've insisted on giving him the ability to hear from here to Mars and see from here to, you know, eternity. And I just think that's wrong from the get go. I think, I don't think it's golden age era power level. I think it's like fifties where it's acknowledged that he can fly. He still cares about your landlord gouging you. He can't, he can't push planets around quite yet. But he could jump up and save a plane or fly over from the radio show he's been flying to save. You know what I mean? Like he's got a human capacity, but this super ability, because I mean, just real quickly, this guy, Mark, Mark Wade, a brilliant Superman writer, one of the best says that Superman goes to sleep every night hearing people's cries because he can, it's not that he doesn't hear everything. He does hear everything and he has to pick and choose. On some level, who lives and dies, and that is a burden that he carries. And you know what? No. You know what? No. 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 My Superman gets to every goddamn thing he can hear in about a seven, eight, ten mile radius. And if he concentrates really hard, he can hear shit in like maybe Canada from Kansas or something. But you gotta stop this omnipresent guy because that guy is an asshole. Every second he's writing a fucking story about the Gotham Knights beating the fucking Bloodhaven dick knobs. Every second he's killing someone in that, in that milieu. His, and the greatest thing about him is the modesty of his double life. Yeah. Think about that. They ruined it in, in the Snyder shit. He never has a good take his clothes off and become Superman moment in any of that shit. Any of those movies. He never has a good, I got to dip out and go somewhere and just kind of change. I got there's a modesty to that. I don't think people really grasp how fucking super modest it is that I got to dip into a stairwell to become the apotheosis of myself. I can't show you me being that. I got to be down here with you. I got to have a job. I got to be grounded some way. But I am this thing that I can whip out when needed. There's something about the modesty of that that's beautiful. I, I completely agree with that. And I would say, you know, that touches on something that I've always felt about the character is that, like, Superman is this incredibly purpose-driven, but very human and very humane character. And what I mean by that is that even as Clark Kent, right? Like, this, this is going with your idea of like, well, if Superman could hear everybody suffering and he just goes to sleep at night, he's an asshole. And I agree with that. So I do think that you need to find some limit there. But I think within that, you also need to recognize that, like, why is he a journalist? Right. It's mm -hmm. because he is so committed to truth and justice that mm -hmm. his life's work is going to be bringing those things to the public. And the humility that Ed is talking about is that as Superman, he could cultivate a bully pulpit. He could go on TV and make speeches. He could kick the president out of the White House if he was going to do that. But in his mind, it is way more effective to be a nobody, to be a schlub who just gives you the facts and lets you decide because he does not think that he deserves that bully pulpit. He is essentially a proletarian socialist superhero within this milieu where all the most popular superheroes are different shades of fascist. 
I mean, mm -hmm. go right down the line from Batman to Wonder Woman to Captain America to Iron Man to Daredevil. Like, all these superheroes have flavors of fascism to them. And I think what's amazing with Superman is that he chooses different every single time mm -hmm. that lick of fascism is in his sights. And that gets right down to Clark Kent. I have yet to see, except maybe in the Christopher Reeve movie, although I think that, you know, the original Christopher Reeve movie got so much the iconography and the tone correct, but yeah. I don't know that it was really meaty with these themes. And I would love to see a movie that just embraces these themes, right? Where it's, it's not about the conflict of godlike power. The movie is really about like, what does it mean to be a good man? Like, what does it mean to stay principled? What does it mean to, to not struggle with whether you should oppress people, but to just take it as a de facto that you should do everything in your power to avoid oppressing people and then give him a challenge beyond that? And this is a yeah. whole other thing that I have about Superman villains, but I think we should stick on that point maybe a little bit. Is like, just that idea of, you need to stop making Superman struggle with being Superman. Because mm -hmm. I think right there is where you lose at least half your audience. And I would argue pretty much the entirety of the general audience. Because if I'm like my mother, who doesn't read comics and has no real investment in this stuff, but loves a good rip-roaring movie, the minute I sit down and see Superman going like, Ugh, should I help these people? Or, oh, it's so tough to be me. I'm going, what the hell is this? Like, what is yeah. this? What am I watching? Yeah. Should I save my dad from a tornado? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man, I can't decide. Oh. No, no, I guess I won't. He, he said not to. But you know, you know what's interesting though, uh, in in what you were just talking about about how the first Superman movie. Let's kind of drill down on that for a second, mm -hmm. because we would be super remiss without for, for not talking about the first Superman movie Agreed. and how quote unquote perfect it is and stuff. And I just look back on it and I'm just like, they got the i they got certain iconography absolutely pitch perfect. They got even the flying motion for that time period just fucking fantastic i just loved it it was dreamy when it needed to be dreamy it was speedy when it needed to look speedy they mixed in just enough shots of you being kind of ground level and this motherfucker fly by you know what i'm saying you weren't always on his shoulder you know you know i hate that stuff where you're just yep. always on godzilla's shoulder looking through windows no you're this big looking up at godzilla that's the point and so they did some of that but the thing that uh you're right that they were definitely missing like what is what is clark kent's goal as a person what's Lois Lane's goal as a person besides getting the best story, because just really quickly, I would just at one rewrite I would do on that movie is he has to decide to save the entirety of the West Coast or uh, Lois Lane somewhere on the East Coast or somewhere where another bomb is. And in the end, Lois Lane finds a way out and she saves herself from the bomb. She just barely the, her, the butt of her car is getting lifted up by the shockwave, you know, dumb movie style. And she just barely MacGyvers her way out by herself. And and he made the right decision to save thousands and thousands of people over his chick. And he never makes the godlike decision to turn the earth around because blah 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 things don't work like that. It's stupid. It's overkill. I still love that ending, but I hear I that. know. I, I did I know. Because I mean there's something viscerally dope about it. But just, ah, jeez. You know what so, I mean? Well, 
Here's the thing about that whole movie, and it, it gets an unfair pass, but a pass nonetheless. Mm. It's like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's yeah. the thing. It's like they're not trying to hit you with anything hard hitting, but what they do hit you with hits hard, if you could understand the distinction. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. they're they're dealing and God bless Richard Donner, like they're dealing in mythic, you know, thought forms. And it's like that farm on the plains is like plucked out of some Jungian collective unconscious. And like mm-hmm. those crystal <laughs> palaces, same mm-hmm. thing. And like Superman flying up to catch that helicopter, same thing. It's like mm-hmm. all this stuff is just pulled out of like the collective knowledge of what Superman is, which is fantastic. But they're not really trying to tell a story that's about more than kind of growing up. Which I which I always appreciated about it. It's essentially just about yeah. a guy trying to come to terms with who he is, which I know seems to fly in the face of what we're talking about. But like the whole thrust of that movie, as I always saw it, was from the beginning, I need to help and save as many people as possible. And I'm not saving enough people and I'm not doing enough all the way up to I will break the space time barrier to save this person. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, that's just so quintessentially Superman. Yeah, and he made the right decision first, which is to save the most people. And the decision that, of course, Lois Lane would want overall, right? If you really think about it. Of course, Lois Lane would be like, yeah, go save the people. Don't worry about me. And then when he does that and his heart breaks and then he loses his shit, that's like a good moment. When someone's, like, heart gets broken and the love of their life pushes them to to go beyond what they would normally go beyond to to get back that love. I think that's a great that's a great story point. Like it's it's wonderful. It makes people feel good. I think you're touching on something else that's kind of important that I feel like, you know, Zack Snyder and David Goyer recognized in Man of Steel even if they didn't totally execute it. And same thing Brian Singer certainly recognized and executed it questionably. But at its core, like Superman should be romantic. Like, it should be a love story. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Lois Lane is the most famous female character in comics for a reason. And I think one of the things that, like, all these movies have gotten wrong is that they've sort of made Superman Lois's reason for being in the context of the movie. And Mm -hmm. and for me, Mm -hmm. what I've always wanted to see, what I think is most true to the idea is that You know, if Superman is this ultimate purpose-driven character dedicated to truth and justice amongst, amongst, above all things, Lois Lane needs to be the person that he looks at and goes, oh my God, like, this is everything I want to be. You know what I mean? It's like, Mm. in a world where... She's uncovering the worst, the worst, like, if the first scene is literally her uncovering some terrible thing that the Lex Luthor has been keeping from people to take advantage of them uh, and putting that out on the thing and how hard she worked to get that. Like, and he's inspired by that. Like that's, I don't know. I'm using that obviously as a simple example, but I mean, her showing him, like I find the truth for people. That's what I'm doing. Well, and and also just to do that and be so vulnerable as well. Like as a person who is utterly invulnerable, yeah. Why, you know, if you're seeing somebody who is, you know, more vulnerable than you were, if you were a normal guy from Kansas doing all this, unearthing these things, the thing that the CIA puts a black bag over your head and throws you off a cliff for 
she's doing these stories and he has no choice but to rise to her example. That's a great point, Bill. Well, and I was going to say, too, that vulnerability thing. Now we're getting in the weeds, but I think that this is important, too. You know, Superman is physically invulnerable, but emotionally completely vulnerable. You know, there's he does not have walls up. He does not put himself on guard. Lois Lane, at least at the beginning of the story, should be the total yeah. flip of that. That she is physically very vulnerable. She's just a human being and, you know, not even the strongest human being in a room full of people. Mm-hmm. But she is totally emotionally impenetrable because in her work uncovering the worst of the worst for a lifetime, she thinks that's all there is. She thinks that you pick the scab of the world and it's all gangrene. Mm. And then this guy Mm. shows up. And this is like, you need to think about the story almost from her point of view. This guy shows up and there's no way. There's no fucking way that he is what he claims to be. And from his point of view, it's the same thing. It's like, oh my God, like there's no, I I'm doing this because I have powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. So it's like, this just seems like the right thing to be doing, but like this lady's doing it. Are you kidding me? And, and to me, I think that recognition of like her, her, you know, physical vulnerability and, and her willingness to, to let that be exploited. And then from her point of view, his emotional vulnerability and his willingness to let that be exploited. It's like, it's like seeing, literally seeing something alien for both of them. And within that, that's where the hearts kind of blend because it's like they both have something to learn from each other. They both see something in each other that like, they have never seen before in anybody else in the world. And to me, it's like, that is just a powerful, powerful thing to see, especially on film. And we still haven't seen it. Mm. Yeah, we, we've seen the lip service of it and like the, the Calvin Klein commercial uh, <laughs> ver- version of it. I just wanted to throw this out there because, again, we'd be remiss. It's interesting that we talked this long about um, Lois Lane, which is it shows mm. That our podcast is a thoughtful podcast, but it also shows that like there's there's it really made me realize while you were talking the reason why him and Wonder Woman or him and whoever doesn't work because you would think that that's an untapped resource of like just let them have a romantic relationship, let him be able to observe phenomena and super far the far reaches of space next to suns that are exploding and have a woman that, there that can do that as well and how romantic. That would be we're kissing on the moon without extra, extra anything. You know what I mean? But it doesn't work because he doesn't need that sort of counterpoint. And it almost seems like, uh, both at both p- political parties becoming one fascist party and oppressing us. It almost seems like them being powerful together would ruin yeah. the world on some level, but it's really just more the, the lowest lane aspect. Well, to you, me. For- you, you forgot the one important thing though, that when Wonder Woman and Superman get together is that he can fuck her really hard. And that's very important in a story. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what um, Frank Miller, that's, think, a, that's a call back to, uh, uh, uh uh, matchmaking episode we did and uh, it was introduced yeah. by frank miller slamming mountains down and dark knight uh yeah. strikes again uh with, with yeah. their love making patreon.com slash the greatest pod if you want to hear us talk about <laughs> superheroes fucking each other really hard so you know <laughs> well if you want to if you want to go the complete opposite route i just wanted to throw out to you because i totally agree with you ed like that distinction of of you shouldn't have 
those two powerful forces who are essentially, you know, the yeah. same type of person getting together. I've always felt, again, in the context of a Superman story being a romance, in Act One, you have teenage Clark Kent with the tornado that sweeps through Smallville, and he saves Lana. And maybe even, you know, again, I have this all written up somewhere, but within like the first handful of scenes, he's 19, 20 years old, and he is going to propose to Lana Lang, and he is going to settle down in Smallville and be a farmer like his father. And this tornado rips through and Lana lives in town and he runs across the field and takes off into the air and swoops in and saves her as the town is ripped apart. And he sets her down safe and he turns to go and save more people. And she grabs his arm with tears in her eyes and she screams, don't leave me, don't go, don't go. And right there, there's a moment of decision because he's literally being torn between these people need help. And this person that I love is holding me back and telling me, don't go, don't go. And that gets to the physical versus the emotional, mm. emotional vulnerability. And then in the third act, mm -hmm. maybe it's Brainiac or whatever, but he turns to face down certain death and he hesitates and he turns to Lois, who's there with him. And he's about to say, Lois, I'm sorry. And she grabs him and she kisses him. And she says something to the effect of, I would never ask you to go save the world, Superman. And it's just that recognition of like somebody who, who doesn't have that fear, who doesn't have that need, who sees his value in being that thing and wants him to be it unapologetically. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's such an emotional arc that again, doesn't hinge on him questioning if he should or not. It's more like, I am not going to have love because I have this greater calling until I find somebody who loves me within the context of the greater call. And it's like, yeah. what a satisfying piece of, of, I don't know, catharsis for that character. That gave me goosebumps, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, his relationships with people should do that. And I think yeah. that's why I was so hard on the that Mark Wade point again. Greater comic mind than I am uh, ever be. He's a fucking g brilliant genius. I just think that's wrong uh for him to like ignore people's um pleas and shit because it's hard enough. Like regular police heroes have to like have like uh police scanners and stuff. You know, regular superheroes need to have police scanners and do all this detectiving to find out crimes. Him being, you know, able to hear it and within some miles would be just fine. And I think it's one of those things where him judiciously, um, I love the things in All Star Superman of him saving people without making a big show of it. Yeah, that to me is there's got to be in a great Superman story. There's got to be a, in a movie. It's got to be a sequence or several sequences. That's kind of his morning do is to be like, ah, construction worker. Nope. You're not going to die. Uh, old lady in front of the bus. Nope. You're not going to die. But and it gets to the coffee shop. He takes a break. You know what I mean? To me, that was the greatest failing in Batman versus Superman is the way that yeah. Zack Snyder fetishized Superman saving people because mm -hmm. to Superman, like there's no glory in this. Like, I'm just doing what I have to do to make the world a better place. And to your point, Ed, I'm going to do it whenever I can because it's mm -hmm. just the thing I'm doing. And so there's none of this like hovering gloriously over people <laughs> as a flood like sweeps their house away <laughs> or like there's a burning building behind me and I'm going to stand here as all these people reach out to try to touch me. It's just like 
okay, you good? Okay, I'm going. You know what I mean? Like, it's because there's no time for that. Like, he's there to help people, and there's nothing else to it. Hell, there'd probably just be a bunch of people who show up in front of hospitals out of nowhere. You'd blink your eye, and there'd just be a line of people who are injured from something at a hospital, and he's gone getting more people. They have, like, Like, a Superman intake. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) who's the Superman I get Superman intake over here, burn victims over here. Honestly, like, I don't think you should ever put this scene in a movie, maybe in a comic, but like, I've always conceptualized Clark Kent as a guy who goes to a lot of funerals. And I don't mean that in like some modern oh, way. You know, it's not like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to remind myself that I'm human and like, I need to somehow revel in like the people I couldn't save. It's more so just like, no, like he just thinks it sucks that people die. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I just, I, I just want to go so I can comfort this lady who's crying over her son. And it's like, just that I, and to me, I think that gets at another heart of Superman is that, that desire to comfort, right? Grant Morrison talks about Superman as like the platonic ideal of a dad. And I think that's dead on. Like when you think about his personality, not his character arc, not anything you need to deeply interrogate, but just how he acts, how he carries himself. It's Atticus Finch. It's just, Mm -hmm. I just care. I want to make, I want you to be comforted. I want you to be supported. I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to feel like life sucks. You know what I mean? Like I'm, that's what I'm there for. Use me for that. And again, that's not a character we've ever seen on screen. So we definitely need to make sure that Superman starts using puns. <laughs> bad joke. Honestly, you're not I totally think, wrong. Like, I think it would be Superman kind of fun. Bad jokes. Yeah, well, there's got to be something not super about him. If Superman wasn't super funny, that would be hilarious. Yeah, and then if Lois like, Lane is hilarious, mm-hmm. yeah, or absolutely. or uh, or Jimmy's there being funny too. Maybe I don't know. I, I oh, here's a question I have for you guys. I, I, obviously, Ed and I are comedians. Bill is a funny gentleman. Where's the comedy in Superman? Like, don't you feel like there should be something? Some could we make a Superman that's funny? Like, could we make a whole movie? Like, obviously, it's not like over the top funny, but could we make it a dramedy? type of thing well i mean i think i think certain stuff like you know like some lady jumps out of a burning place window uh but like she's like naked and he's just like grabs like a house coat real quick it's like i i wouldn't gonna let you go out like that miss miss whatever you know what i mean like he's, <laughs> he's, he's doing nice stuff to make sure i saved you and i saved you in style i don't think he dumps too many naked people whose, whose pants got eaten by sharks on the shore i think he figures out you know you know a, a way to make sure you're fine. You know what I mean? I think you get a good experience getting saved by Superman. It's not going to snap your neck like Spider-Man, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I also think that, like, Superman, in a weird way, should be relentlessly positive yeah. in an almost, like, ironically funny way. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. you know, it's it's like in his first battle, you know, there's a Brainiac drone that's six stories tall and it punches him and he goes crashing into the street and like Jimmy or Lois runs up and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? And he kind of gets up. He's like, huh, I never got punched before. That's weird. Hold on a second. And then he just goes into the foot. You know what I mean? Just like <laughs> weird shit like that. Where yeah, it's like, yeah. What is, what, like, what is with this guy? It's almost like, it's almost like he's weird in how relentlessly positive he is. 
I would love that. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, I would love yeah. that. Dude, <laughs> like Superman starts a fight club. It's like, hey, Mongol and the Incredible Hulk from the other universe. I mean, let's just punch each other. Let's just get it out, man. It won't be like a cult, though. I'll take it to my Fortress of Solitude, teaches of Kryptonian, but it won't be a cult at all. <laughs> a cult of the strongest people across the multiverse, led by Superman. What oh, could go? No. What could go wrong? No, but, but I, I think good. No, I also think like within within that relentless positivity, there's also just sort of a confidence. That, you know, maybe borders on arrogance if he wasn't such a nice guy. Cause it's yeah. like, that's the other thing about Superman is that he acts with this clarity where it's like, um, yeah, so we're going to pull the space show, you know, we're going to pull the space station down out of orbit because if it's up there, like Brainiac's going to take it over and crash it into the White House. And it's like, you're going to pull the space station out of orbit. It's like, yeah, yeah, it, it's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll just go do it real quick. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, there's just that sense of like, no, no, yeah. we're just going to do it. He's a man of action, right? Action comics. And like, to me, again, there's comedy and yeah. there's just an opportunity for just sort of like a, a weird, it, it's such an interesting way to interrogate ethics is like this guy who is perfectly selfless, but in that he does things that you think, well, maybe we should talk about this a little bit. And he's just like, no, I'm just going to do it. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, I, to me, there's something meaty to that that, again, doesn't hinge on this whole idea of like, oh, the world hates me. Should I be Superman or should I not? You know, you yeah. know what I would suggest? A couple of scenes where like, OK, there's some space shuttles crashing. It's burning up in reentry, let's say. And Superman's about to take off to go to go handle it because he's at NASA or whatever. Or he flies to Houston and he goes like, hey, guys, uh, it looks like you guys got a problem. Blah, blah, blah. And, and then they go like. Hey, and he asked an uh, engineer, okay, if I grab it, how fast would I need to be? And he's like, well, actually, you'd have to calculate the parabolic. It's like, you're right. Thank you. And he, and you know what I'm saying? He oh, uses, I love like, that so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's like, that's he's a good like, scene. Uh, he, he's using, he's, he knows that we can help him. Yes. He can do it, but he could use a little coaching. He can do it, but he has to take physics into enhance. He can do it, but he's part of our community still. And, and dude, see, you're touching on another thing that I think you need to get Superman right, which is you need an active world. And, mm. and to me, I think you need a, an explicitly science fiction world. Like if I was making a Superman movie in the milieu of that movie, like the multiverse exists and it's just taken for granted. Like forget mm. about like building up to it. It's like, no, Star Labs in the middle of Metropolis is experimenting with portal technology into other worlds because that's just something they have in this world. And maybe like a 40 story monster comes out and Superman needs to put it down. But that has nothing to do with whether Superman's there or not. It's just because that's the world he lives in. And, mm. and I think what that does is two things. Number one, exactly what Ed's talking about. It surrounds Superman with experts and interesting people that he yeah. as the main character can reaffirm for the audience. These are interesting people. Mm -hmm. Like what a great thing to have Superman be like, Hey, I need your advice. Oh my God. That's you're so right. Like <laughs> again, not a character we've ever seen on the screen before. And I think that even applies to somebody like Jimmy Olsen. Like I think about all-star Superman and what Grant Morrison did with Jimmy Olsen. Like the whole idea is he is legitimately the coolest, most fearless dude in Metropolis, if not the world. And, you know, that's the type of guy that Superman gives a signal watch to. 
And so yeah. I think then the other thing that having this very active sci-fi world around Superman does is it allows him to be reactive without seeming passive. Mm, because yep. that's a fine line to walk where Superman's not a proactive character. Like we said, he's very proletarian. So he's not going to go out and try to preemptive strike anybody. You know, he's the fire department. He reacts to things happening. That said, if the world is just our world, most of the time he literally has to react to like domestic violence and fires and, you know, mm -hmm. things that aren't huge. And yeah. if he's only reacting to things that are just huge in a real world context, you start to ask some of those uncomfortable questions about mm -hmm. like, well, how does he go to bed at night then? Yeah. I think you need to put the character in a world where gonzo shit is happening all the time and like he can barely keep up with it. So it's yeah, like, and go ahead. The, the bonus to that is that then him being so tough isn't as big a deal. Yes. Because he's literally dealing with the most complicated, insane things every single time. So he has to be that tough because he could get beat sometimes. So that mm -hmm. actually, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. So maybe the biggest mistake that most people have made is trying to make Superman in a world where it's like our, it's like New York and we just call it Metropolis. Instead of it actually being metropolis, metropolis, that's I think you might be right. No, I think I mean I think you're you're hitting on something there because you know I, I think about I think one of the most uncomfortable pieces of Superman media is the Superman Peace on Earth um, oversized Alex Ross book that Paul Dini wrote and Alex Ross drew, and the first thing they did was Batman War on Crime. And that was chef's kiss beautiful because it was essentially a story about like the things that most Batman stories don't touch on, which is the humanity of the criminals that Batman is fighting and the fact that there is another story on the other side of that. So then they tried to do it with Superman. And that the version of doing that with Superman is that for a day, Superman tries to solve world hunger. And like, it was beautiful and it brought up some really interesting ideas, but oh my God, like that story <laughs> cannot be satisfying because you're essentially trying to use this fictional, you know, cipher to draw attention to an unsolvable and horrific real world problem. Like, why mm -hmm. would you do that? It's, yeah, it's just ill-advised putting Superman in a real world context doesn't make Superman feel more real. It just makes the problems feel more real. And that mm -hmm. is just kind of gross. Okay. Okay. Th this is, this is the new experiment with our remaining time. We will come up with the 10 commandments of doing good Superman. We've come up with one good, uh, sci sci-fi world. I will add this is, this is two or even one a dude. You're only a genius on earth, Stark. You're mm. only the most powerful guy on Earth. When a motherfucker step out of a spaceship or out of a dimensional portal, you are just as vulnerable to them as anybody. You have to use all your wits to handle them because this guy from outer space slash time has a thing that neutralizes your power. Or this guy from Mongol comes and he's got a whole world world. If he can't beat your ass, he's got a world to beat your ass. You know what I mean? 
He's got to be big shit here so that every single goddamn time he leaves this planet, that's Batman going to the, the deep sea or out of space himself. You know what I mean? It's we got to do it. Got It's got to be the stakes of it. He's got to be big shit here. And when he goes out there, he's brave and he's brave every day because in this sci-fi world, people got kryptonite, people got magic, people got this, people got that. So yeah, I put that your big shit, big shit on earth is my thing. I don't necessarily want to go for depowering and stuff, although I do put a daredevil-esque limit on his hearing and my head cannon so that he oh. doesn't go to sleep listening to babies get, get exploited at the Apple factory or whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a bunch of Amazon workers not being able to take a piss. <laughs> like, what the fuck? The sound of urine hitting a plastic bottle once again. <laughs> I just don't need that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, well, okay. Know, sci-fi world, I, look, big shit it on It makes Earth. a lot of sense to to do that because when you really start thinking about that stuff, I I mean, look, things right now happening in the world are insane. Like, there's a lot of terrible social ills happening in the world right now. And I always there's a part of me that thinks about like, what if I did have Superman's powers? Would I just show up in Russia and 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 pick up Putin and be fly him up into the air and be like, hey buddy, you want to end this war or do you want me to drop you? Like, you know, which you can't, but you can't tell that story with Superman. That's not a good story. You so can tell that story that, with a with an amoral Superman analog where you want to talk about how nobody should have absolute power because it creates an imbalance, yeah. you know, socio-political global order, but that's not a Superman yeah. story. <laughs> exactly. So uh I do I think I wanna I wanna take what, what one of the things Bill said and put that on the list. And that's the the um how how uh that it, that Superman is a romantic and how he matches up with Lois Lane. Mm, I think that nice. has to That's be in there, three. too. That's number three. Uh, Superman's a rom- romantic slash LL. No, I'll put L Lane. because I would know, say, I would say the vulner- vulnerability versus invulnerability thing in that romance is sort yes. of the key thing to, to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. I yes, got an interesting agreed. one here. Don't give Superman a hero's journey. Because I yes. think in, implicit in a hero's journey is this idea of the hero refusing the call to adventure and being somehow an unlikely candidate for the adventure. And I think neither one of those things really applies to Superman. And I've said this before in other shows, but I'll say it here. I think the closest archetype to Superman is the artist scientist, kind of the wizard character, the character Mm -hmm. who's all about like curiosity and mystery you know, in a weird way, Superman can kind of play detective. It just has to be on a more global scale. But again, you relate it to Mission Impossible. It's that Ethan Hunt character. He doesn't have a hero's journey. He's not refusing the call, wrestling with it, with that decision, you know, proving his mettle, finding out something deeper about himself through the adventure. None of that stuff applies. You got to find a different archetype for Superman. So I would say don't make him have a hero's journey. Yeah. All right. And also, well, that's, I, got, uh, real, real quick, I was uh, rapping about uh, that's number four. No heroes journey. <laughs> yeah. Now, look, I don't know if we can, if this is a necessary one to put down there, but uh, one of the things that uh, Bill hit on earlier that I think might be important, and that I'm kind of gathering when with the conversation we've had, is that maybe he needs a team of cool humans that is in his life. Agreed. Like not mm-hmm. other superpowered people, but a team of cool humans. 
who he uh, talks to and trusts uh, and who help him, like, make good decisions um, and stuff like that. Who was yeah. the best non-Superman character in Man of Steel? Inarguably, Christopher Maloney. As yeah. that as that military guy who didn't quite trust Superman, who had his own bone to pick with the Kryptonians, who really got some nice shining moments. Again, it kind of goes with point number one, which is give him this sci-fi world, but like, the most powerful, arguably most interesting man on Earth should be surrounded by other highly interesting people. Like, yeah. don't just give him bland wallpaper as supporting cast. I love that, Ron. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this deserves its own one or if it's part of this. I'll make it part of this. Fine. But all, within the, okay, the supporting cast, yes, but the planet Earth is his supporting cast. He's just as likely to be talking to a Papua New Guinea tribesman mm -hmm. and, and, and an Inuit person and an Indian person and a motherfucker at the bottom of the sea, Jacques Cousteau style and so on and so forth. He's a world citizen for real, for real. I would almost flip that and maybe this is where you get the, the full point number six or seven. I don't know which one we're on. Superman should be the supporting cast to the planet Earth. Yeah, yeah. This goes but, back yeah, to that yeah. whole idea, right, of like when Superman shows up, it's not because he's the big shit and you should sit there and worship him. Superman shows up because he thinks you're so important and so interesting that your life matters to him. So yeah. mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever make that explicit, but that's as you're writing the character, you should have that in mind. Like Superman is a supporting character in the story of the planet Earth. Yeah, and he, he's a he's a figure, right? And the the thing, the reason why we are studying him is in the course of history, he's a big deal, and that's one of the reasons why he doesn't use his bully pulpit because he could very easily go from a historical figure to like a a, a key branch point. In our society, he already kind of is, given the fact that he's a walking nuclear weapon. So he's trying to mitigate that effect by not going, you know, I like McDonald's better. What would exactly. that do to the markets? That would Burger King would like kill themselves. <laughs> They're like, why <laughs> you do this to me, Superman? Like, Superman be like, man, I like Sprite. That's all I got to say about it. Seven Up goes out of fucking business. Lex Luthor, the only motherfucker drinking Seven Up. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> He might save it. He might literally buy 7-Eleven for a billions of dollars just to do it. Well, I was going to say, you bring up Lex Luthor. I've got another one that, you know, we can maybe only briefly mention because I think it speaks for itself. Superman villains need to have plans that have nothing to do with Superman. Mm -hmm, Superman yeah. needs to be there as a bulwark against some villain who is otherwise going to do some heinous, heinous stuff to planet Earth or a particular group of people or whatever it might be. Like, yeah. villains don't show up because of Superman. They don't show up to specifically fight Superman. Again, Superman is a reactive force that when shit goes down, he's there to stop it. But the shit is going down regardless of if he is there or not. So I okay. feel very strongly that, like, a villain in a Superman movie needs to have goals and motivations that have nothing to do with Superman. Yeah, agreed. Yep. All right. I think maybe I think the, maybe the plan involves having to stop Superman, but it certainly doesn't involve anything. It might evolve. It might evolve into stopping Superman. Yeah. But again, like he's not a linchpin. He's not yep. the point. Again, it, it it just goes to it's, this idea of like he's not the thing. The more you try to make money, him the it's thing, it's getting power. It's getting whatever. 
Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Well, well it's because Superman villains represent the failings of humanity, right? Like if Superman is a good man, the ultimate father figure who believes in everybody, his villains are like human failings turned to 11. So, you know, Luther is is narcissism. The parasite is greed. You know, Brainiac is indifference. Um, Bizarro is confusion or, I mean, even mental illness. Again, just taken to some huge extreme. It's like all these things that, you know, we betray ourselves by embracing. Those are the things that Superman villains represent. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think though, uh, the, I think Lex Luthor, let's talk about Lex Luthor real quick mm. because he's, he's part of the mythos, just like Joker is part of the Batman's and, but like in both cases, it's for good or ill, so, you know, and, <laughs> and, in, in, in a lot of cases. So I think the first Superman movie honestly got it right. He had, he had Superman insurance plans for his plan, mm-hmm. but he was so brazen that he was like, the existence of an almost all-powerful alien won't stop my plan. Yep. I have a dope-ass plan that is better than him and will tax him to his limits or get him off of me to where I'm, by the time it's done, what are you going to arrest me for? Something you can't prove anymore? All the fault lines are blown up. You know what I mean? Like These guys who have the hubris to go against Superman, to me, they are Batman. I'm not saying I like Batman as this idiot who's always obsessed with beating up superman i think that's one of the worst things that ever happened to comics but batman is to borrow a term from bill the apotheosis of human beings in dc and 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 kent is trying to be the best human if i can if i can summarize that for you if superman is a god who at every turn tries to be a man his villains are all men who believe that they deserve to be gods Exacta fucking mundo, beautifully stated. And I think that should be, that goes with, uh, their plans, uh, don't have anything to do with soups. They have their own god complexes that are competing. They think they're competing with soups' god complex. And the they thing is, he's, I think he doesn't that, have one, you know? I think it's yeah. that entitlement too. It's that sense of like, I deserve this. This is owed to me. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't I try to take this? Because again, Superman's whole deal is like, I'm not special. I don't don't worship me. Just live your life, man. Like that's Superman. So the villain is the opposite. The villain is yeah. like, I should be I am better than everybody, and they all need to know it. Right. And I think that mm-hmm. Luthor is like the 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 platonic ideal of that ethos. Yeah. Right. It, and just the but last things last, they are still though, on a certain level, humanity's response to mm-hmm. this challenge. This is an outright challenge to the greatest minds in the world. And Batman's got a plan to how to beat him. This guy's got a plan. Mr. Terrific probably got some shit up his sleeve. Everybody's smart enough to understand that Superman is great and he's on our side has also said that if he doesn't be on our side, there has to be something done. And it's just humanity's almost like knee-jerk reaction after a fashion. I just don't like it to be the first or second thing that we think when we see Superman. The fact that it was introduced so early in the Snyderverse was just cynical and crappy to me. And the fact that he capitulated, my Superman flies alongside the drone that's recording him and goes, hey, and then leaves it in the dust. He doesn't smash it 
and throw it at the military base and go, bitch, you can't guard me, motherfucker. I got a 58,000 <laughs> foot vertical. You can't guard me, United yeah. States. Suck my dick. He, my he doesn't, doesn't do cost that. The, the American government $2 billion or whatever the fuck that would cost. <laughs> well, and, and I think, Ed, you were getting at something kind of profound, right, is – you know, that whole response to the challenge, I don't even know if it's humanity's response to the challenge represented by Superman. It's almost humanity's response to the challenge of existence. And what I mean by that is like, there's a line to be drawn from Superman, the character to the Ubermensch of Nietzsche. And Nietzsche's entire point was, you know, in a world where God is dead, in a world where there is no intrinsic meaning or purpose, the will to power becomes the only thing that has meaning. And to Nietzsche, the will to power meant I will create my own morality so that I can become transcendent. And I think what's interesting is that Superman, the character, is almost a response against that because here's a guy who has ultimate power and his choice to find meaning is service and selflessness. And so it's really on both sides of the coin between Superman and his villains, the response to a meaningless, purposeless world. It both, both of them address Nietzsche, but mm. Superman, I think, comes down on the side of, of a bodhisattva, right? Like the, the Buddhist idea of service. And that is the only thing that matters. Whereas the villains come down on a very Nazi-esque understanding of what the Superman, the Ubermensch should be. And mm. that is, I am a man with the will to become more than a man. And that means something. And I will carve my name in the history books. And I think whether that's Luthor or whether that's Brainiac or whether that's Metallo or the Parasite or even Zod or, or you know, Mongol, all these characters have that in them. And I think it's a direct rebuke to what Superman represents. So I think yeah. I think in that respect we need to put that number eight is uh and it hints at something I was saying earlier, but you summed it up perfectly just there. Superman is modest. I mean, yeah. this this guy who who it's only a brag because he can do it. It's like how Captain America brags. You know what I mean? Like Captain America just kept he he's running and he's gonna lap you because he's Captain America. And if he says on your left, he's just trying to make sure that you don't get hit with a rhino's force <laughs> coming by because he's running at 52 miles an hour. And that's just what it is, man. And if you're going to be a little punk and take it as this giant challenge to your manhood, I didn't do that. You did that. You know what I mean? Like, I think he, he's just he's like an ultimate giga Chad. That's really nice. You know what I mean? He's got a big jawline. He's beautiful. And he's just not trying to take your girl. Your girl likes him because he was on a magazine cover that he didn't even want to do. Do you yes. know what I mean? That was just a favor to some guys at the planet. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So on and so forth. He's a very modest person. And that modesty goes from his costume changes to his aw shucks attitude after he saves stuff to that stuff I was talking about earlier, him asking people for advice, asking them for help. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't help anybody for me to rip the wings off this fucking plane that I'm trying to save. It doesn't help anybody if I don't know how to properly depressurize this submarine that I save for the Marianas Trench. It doesn't help anybody if I'm grandstanding and kill people doing it. Help me to help you, humanity. Love all that beautifully stated. I would also say that that's a great example of where you can inject some of the real world into a Superman story. I think that idea of like, I need to bring a submarine up from the Marianas Trench or I need to bring, you know, a, a space station out of orbit. But 
I have to do it while respecting real world physics makes everything better and more interesting because it gives him the opportunity to ask for advice. It makes the operation delicate where he doesn't just brute force his way through it. And like it gives some stakes, you know, the stakes in a Superman movie are are always going to be other people dying. Right. And I think that him being modest is, you know, extends into those scenarios. Yeah, I think we might have found one. Another one uh, is real world physics, man. Because I remember when he he stops a plane with his like his Mm. finger, like right in the middle of it. Like it was just just keep going through his little hand and smash like unless he's telekinetically lifting it some kind of way in the burn fashion of like when I'm flying, I don't feel weight because I just sort of redistribute it through the universe. And then I take my shield off and I throw it around the guy and he falls down a well. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever the fuck bullshit powers they decide. I look at a wall and I build it back up in Superman 4. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, it is. I mean, um, it is a slippery slope with his powers. And I mean, you know, however you want to state that real world physics, you know, limitations to his hearing and his vision, you know, it, I think we've been I'm, circling it this entire conversation, which is like not to say that he is not uber powerful, but mm-hmm. like the world still breaks around him, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also would like to add in something we said earlier, which is that we're, we're relentlessly positive, we're being relentlessly positive. I just want one scene where like everybody's panicking and he's just like, don't worry, guys, it's going to work out. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> literally I terrible. The, yeah. I think that's part of the modesty thing that Ed was talking about too. It's like, I think they're, they're sort of intrinsically linked. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like a real good one to, you know, I think we, would we have one or two left to do for our top 10? Um, I think we have, uh, just to, uh, to uh, recap, we have, he must live in a sci-fi world, an active place that has active shit going on that he has to solve and it taxes his powers and his dopeness. Uh, two, he's big shit on earth. When he, when he leaves atmosphere or when people come from other places, he's, he's liable to get fucked up just like anybody else. Uh, three, he is, ro- he is romantic. And there is an uh, there is a dichotomy between his invulnerability, but also but emotional vulnerability, and Lois Lane's physical vulnerability, but her emotional invulnerability. There's a dichotomy there, and that's what part of the romanticism of them. Uh, number four, no hero's journey. Fuck a hero's journey. Fuck him trying to learn this and that. You know, he's 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 apotheosis already. Let's get to it. Uh, number five, supporting cast. His supporting cast must be interesting. We got the Jimmy Olsen as the coolest guy in the world, and Lois Lane is the best gal, and you know all the people at the office and all that kind of jazz, and all the scientists that help him. Yep. But number six, he is the world supporting cast. He is there to help the world. He's a, he's he's talking to everybody all over the world, not just as a Metropolis boy, real citizen of the world. Uh, number seven, uh, the plans of his villains have to not have to strictly do with Superman. There can be, you know, there can be him, uh, there could be people making plans to deal with Superman should they find their nefarious activities, but it isn't all about Superman. It's about these God people or these people who wish to be gods going up against a guy who just modestly is one, which leads us to, uh, eight. He's a modest guy. He modestly changes it to a suit. He modestly reacts to all his super God feats. He's, he's just a nice guy. Uh, and, uh, number nine, real world physics, where he has to be able to like worry about, cause I think that's what takes the time. If you could just grab a plane and not worry about the G forces ripping everybody's arms and legs off <laughs> and you had Superman's powers, saving people would be pretty easy. 
but the real you know and even in singer's thing they tried yep. The, yep. the wing came off different that shit happened the, they tried that was the best part of that movie was him yes. trying to save that plane and it just going wrong until, you know, until the last possible moment. Like mm-hmm. that was yep. awesome. Yep. So what's number 10 guys, what are we missing from our, our, our revamp? Because we got, so we got nine great things. I think um talking to, or rather I saw Elliot S. Magan at um WonderCon when, when me and Ron went. Right uh, much. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw Elliot S. Magan, and uh, if you're a fan, uh, we're gonna put up some um, some goat classics. So we're gonna put this one up around the time that this episode comes out. We're gonna put your Superman episode up, and uh, we talk about Elias, Elliot S. Magan as one of the people who contributed to the, and maybe Julie Schwartz as well, who contributed to the idea of Superman not being able to get beat ain't the fucking problem. Yeah. That's we start there. And it's about what you do with the guy who can't get beat. As Ron likes to say, how many people does he save? Who does he inspire? That's the story. How does the world bend around him? How, how does he, uh, how does he stay steadfast in a world that's ever changing? And some might say teetering towards doom. How does he stay so unflaggingly positive in the wake of that, you know, or in the face of that? It might boil down to some stuff that Ron always says. It's like they, they just can't believe that he would be good. The, the bad boy bullshit is people trying to, find a way in to superman psychology so maybe the last part is something about how to he needs a pr person honestly to say these points that we've been making for an hour i do want to just make this point just so i can make it it reminds me of whenever whenever someone uh says your virtue signaling um and Mm. all you've done is say something nice about women let's say that's what it reminds me of like people who misuse the word virtue signaling to mean oh i don't believe that you believe that because normal people don't believe that kind of good thing. Mm. Uh, and, and that's, that is one of the things that people have a problem with Superman with. And uh, that's too bad. I say to those people, they cannot come to, to this movie. They can go watch Snyder. <laughs> you know, I think something to that point, it, it, you know, we keep coming back to Superman's personality. Right. The modesty, yeah. the dad vibes, the, the weird sense of positivity, the almost humorous naivete. He doesn't ask, per, you know, he doesn't ask permission, but he does ask for advice. Mm-hmm. You know, all this stuff that's about sort of not a character arc, not a plot point, but just how he feels mm. is really important. And I think if you look at like Henry Cavill versus Tyler Hecklin, who plays Superman on TV, right? Mm hmm. They don't necessarily do different stuff. And this is, I think, a lot of the issue with, you know, Man of Steel and BVS. Like, Superman does Superman stuff, but he doesn't feel like Superman while he's doing it. And that comes down to these very ephemeral sort of personality and performance issues where it's like, if he was the coolest goodest if i can use you know a bad an incorrect (laughs) word but like if he was just the coolest goodest most inflappable guy in the world what would that feel like and i don't think the snyder movies even tried to come close to portraying that and i think the tyler hecklin superman is one of the only supermen since christopher reeve that did And I think if you go back to that Christopher Reeve performance, again, we talked about like that movie doesn't get that movie isn't perfect and it gets a lot of plot wrong. But the tone, the vibe, 
the mm-hmm. way Superman just is and feels is spot on. And that's something that they need to go back to trying or at least paying attention to in the modern era. Hmm. Well, so that's our number maybe, 10. Yeah, get, I think the get 10 the, is tone. Get the right feel, the right yeah. tone of mm-hmm. Superman. Positive without being corny, confident without being arrogant, powerful without being powerful while being believably not corrupt. The, powerful these while all being hard. innocent. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we, without being angry. Is, without being but, angry about it. But yeah, no, you know what? I, I think I think uh, Bill hit it on the head. It, it's powerful while being innocent because in our world, dude, come on, man. Jeff Bezos didn't stumble off a fucking turnip truck. Elon Musk didn't yeah. just be like, oh, no, I just ended up in Washington. You know, I, I just went to Washington to help my friends like Jimmy Stewart. That isn't how powerful people occur in our world. Yeah. So we're in we, we must be on some level almost um, at this point ancestrally distrustful of someone who wields power as though it doesn't actually exist and doesn't affect their emotional state. You know what I mean? Like somebody who with the power to lift a train, all of us, our endorphins would be pumping and we'd be ready to take on the world. And he's just like already saving a lady from, you know, something or other or taking cat of a tree. By the time you've thought about how great it would feel to stop a train, he's already on to the next thing. That's how little it means to him. I think that was a great point Bill made. It's like when you when you like help an old lady with her walker to get it up on the curb, that little effort, that little tin thing or aluminum thing she's pushing around with the tennis balls, you just lift it up. The strongest boy in the world, as Nick Swartzen used to say, you know, strongest boy. That's how you feel. That's how he feels all the time around yeah. everybody. So it's not a big deal that he does. He doesn't have to grimace every time he does something. But that's why I want to get him off world so he can grimace in a place that makes sense. But it, in the regular world, he doesn't grimace. But there isn't anything so- that can hurt him. I think that's totally valid, Ed. And I, I, I just feel, though, like, God, if you could get that personality right, if you could get this character right, what a goddamn template it would be for this modern era. Because I think one of the things that we're all afflicted by is sort of losing track of, like, what it means to be good. And I think that that whole idea of, like, well, to be powerful, to be noteworthy, to have a voice – you have to be corrupt or an asshole or a loud mouth or, you know, somewhat uncaring. That's the world that we're all increasingly living in. So it's like, this should be the counter argument. Like the, the real wish fulfillment of Superman is so blue collar. It's like, what if just being a good dude who loves your mom and is respectful and like just wants to help actually made you powerful? Like, mm-hmm. wow, that is an amazing thing. And I think that that, you know, I just wish somebody would get that right. Like, I, it, 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 it feels important to me for somebody to get that right. Yeah, I think it would be good for the zeitgeist, man. So I uh, can't say it better than that. Thank you guys for rating and reviewing this thing. Uh, do you have any uh, final words for this episode, uh, Bill, about, you know, uh, your your epic comeback and stuff? Oh. Guys, it was an absolute delight. I really appreciate you bringing me back with one of my favorite topics that is easy for me to ramble on about, you know, incessantly. And if I can add an asterisk, let me put a number 11 on the list. Okay. Okay. Superman should have a short cape. And I am so (laughs) goddamn serious about this. That cape should not come below his knees. If I see another goddamn regal cape on Superman, I'm going to flip my shit. So Superman <laughs> should have a short cape aesthetically 
That is a summary of everything we've been talking about for an hour and a half. Short cake. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, just la- last things last before we do the outro, uh, you could do the outro, Ron. I just got to say, um, RIP O'Neill Adams. Um, we're yeah. going to, you know, uh, he did some of the best. He's known so much for Batman, but he did some of the best Superman drawings that I've ever seen. He was able to show Superman struggling with a weight to show that he's a man without it diminishing how super he was. For some reason, he was able to draw those things. And Superman versus Muhammad Ali is over the, over the arch going into my bedroom. I got it signed by Neil Adams. And, uh, my girlfriend was like pushing me to like talk to him a whole bunch because there was not that many people around his table, which was like a fucking miracle. And I ended up saying, uh, you're, you're, you're great. You're like, you're like my hero. And he looks at, he looks at somebody to the left and goes, I'm this guy's hero with like, it wasn't even sarcastic. It was just like a matter of fact thing that he knew was actually true. And oh. that's a, that's Neil Adams in a nutshell, not cocky, not arrogant, a matter of fact, and the same way that I would want my Superman to be matter of fact oh. about his skills, matter of fact about his impact. And just ready to help more people and keep rocking and rolling and making better drawings till the day that he died, man. So, uh, RIP Neil Adams. And, uh, go ahead and get us on out of here, Ron. Yeah. Thanks, you guys, for listening to another episode of The Greatest 